sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here onto the early line, giving you the edge on Sports Grid. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh waking up early with you guys, trying to put the fun in functional sports content. Kev, we turn our attention now to Major League Baseball. And, you know, there's two things we got to talk about here, okay? Before we even get into the teams and the games and the standings and all that stuff. And remember, I talked about this before out there on the West Coast that is burning right now. The smoke, the conditions, the air quality was so bad yesterday that last night's Mariners-Giants game, which was supposed to take place in Seattle, Kev, was postponed. Okay, and if we are reaching those levels, right, in Seattle, that means places in California or Arizona are also at risk here. And, you know, we thought it was going to be crazy for teams to have to make up games like the Cardinals were talking about because of coronavirus pauses. Now we've got Mm -hmm. air quality impacting the MLB schedule as well. Just like this is so 2020, Kevin. Yeah, you know, I almost wonder if um, they would have still postponed the game if it was in a different time period because postponements, though, now are so normal and so accepted in baseball that they were, you know, like, "Eh, all right, it is what it is. We'll just slap a doubleheader on the back of this. Uh, No worries, no problem. But, you know, it's... I mean, what do you even say, Dane? Really, what do you even say? Like, it's an unforeseen thing that though was totally yeah. foreseen if you wanted to acknowledge it. And it, it's like, here we are. I hope that this can get sorted out for real life purposes over everything. And though, of course, so, you know, these sports can hopefully continue in their quest to crown a champion. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I mean, it's so interesting, right? Like, the, the season didn't start on time because of public safety, right? the health of people. And now we have like another reason why games have to be postponed because of public safety. This is absolutely, you know, it's crazy. Like there's no one to blame per se. You know, there's raging wildfires engulfing a quarter of the country right now. Meanwhile, there's hurricanes engulfing another fifth of the country right now, which is absolutely crazy. But yeah, for me, the thing is, like we said, there's only 12 days left in the regular season, Kev. And we talked about how to put a team like the St. Louis Cardinals behind the eight ball. Well, don't get it twisted. The, the Seattle Mariners are like, you know, the ninth seed right now. Two games out of the playoffs, you know. We talk about the San Francisco Giants, right? They are with one game under 500 in playoff position in the National League. So this does, in fact, matter. You know what I mean? For In the same way we're talking about the Cardinals, how are they going to make up their games in hand? And the complications there, they got another doubleheader to play the Cardinals. You know, So what does that mean for rosters and rotations? And now these are other fringe playoff contenders that are going to have to shuffle the deck and have some doubleheaders with only 12 days left or 11 days left in the regular season. The other thing I will say from a big picture standpoint is this, Kev. You know, we talk about how 2020 is so crazy. Public health is an important part of that is how teams are traveling around the country 
to play their opponents. Well, Major League Baseball has seen what happened in the NBA, in the NHL, in the MLS, in the WNBA as well, and they are going with the bubble approach for the playoffs. I've always said that for the NFL and for Major League Baseball, it seemed a little bit less feasible to do entire regular seasons in a bubble, but they're going to do it for the playoffs. It has been announced as we welcome in our radio audience from around the country. It seems like the first round is still going to be at the higher, um, the, the city of the higher seed, Kev. But once we get into that next round, the divisional round, where there's four in each league, then the LCSs and the World Series, they will be played, in fact, in a bubble. The National League bubble will be in the state of Texas. The American League bubble will be in the state of California. They're going to be using, you know, Globe Life. They're going to be using Petco. Um, but they're going to go bubble for the Major League Baseball playoffs. Yeah, you know, I like this format, but I think it works well. Um, from kind of a logistics standpoint, it makes sense to go bubble. The first round, though, will also be held kind of in the same site for the extent of the series. You know, kind of, for example, the Rays hosting uh, the Toronto, or actually I think it would be the Cleveland Indians right now, for the entire three-game set. I think that works. And it also though, does give a reward to those top four teams and what they've done to where they get to experience a home field advantage for a little bit. But ultimately, it's not the most important thing without fans being there. So, I, you know, with baseball, they've rightfully taken a lot of shots with how they've handled a lot of things. I think this feels like something they got right. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, I do still eat, you know, in baseball, though, remember, there is another advantage in the home team, and it's class licks, right? And so that's a little bit different than the NBA or the NFL. Even The fans are one thing. The actual strategy that can be involved, knowing that you hit the bottom of the inning, is important. But they will, in fact, move um, you know, to this bubble format for the, the playoffs. They couldn't do it for all 30 teams for, you know, four months. They are able to do it for the, you know, uh, 16 teams that qualify for the playoffs, or only eight teams that get to that round of the playoffs. So it won't be as big of a logistical and public health lift than it might have been if they needed to do this uh, for a longer stretch of time or with all 30 teams involved. I would not be surprised if we hear in a month or two that the NFL is considering the same thing for their playoffs and playoffs only once we hit January. When we come back, though, Kev, we're going to, again, shine the spotlight on who might those teams be and who might they be facing. It is crunch time, Kev. There's only 11 days left in the Major League Baseball season, and seeding is pretty much still up for grabs in a lot of places. We look at those spots, we look at those games, odds, totals, and try to make some money on Major League Baseball when we come back here on Early Line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, welcome back here onto the early line. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. And Kev, we've been talking about it during the break. I mentioned, you know, Mariners and Giants got postponed. They got to make that up. It's going to matter in the standings. Kev, when you have 60 games, we talked about this going into the season. Everything would be condensed. 
even the schedule and the standings. We looked at the St. Louis Cardinals, Kev, and we know they have so many games to make up. I don't know how they're going to do it, quite frankly, right? They got a doubleheader, another one against Milwaukee today. I looked at their schedule, Kev, and with all the makeups, getting to next Sunday, the last day of the regular season, and that's the last day because they've already put out the either in the NL Central itself or looking at seeding around second-place teams in the West and the East or even those wild-card positions. Like, we're a week and a half away from it, but how do you think they're going to treat the Cardinals and other teams that don't get to 60 but that little percentage points and games matter in playoff races? Yeah, I think that you need to get these teams to 60. I don't see a world where... I'm not saying it's an easy solution, um, yeah, yeah, I hear you. I don't really think there's going to be a scenario, uh, and you and I kind of just spoke through it a little bit during our break here, about where the Cardinals are two games clear either direction of what their seeding is after 58. I mean, they are only a half game up on the Reds right now for second, and only one game up on the Brewers to be in fourth in the central. So, you know, and the dream of them catching the Cubs yeah. that once was, although, listen, who knows, does feel now very unlikely uh, as they sit there five back of a Cubs team uh, that's, you know, rattled off a couple of wins in a row now here. So, uh, again, I can't tell you why. I mean, the answer is you, you play the games. That's the answer. But it's not like the Cardinals aren't Where? already How? playing an outrageous <laughs> amount of games. Exactly. And that would be my thing, Kev, right? Like, they're already stacking doubleheaders upon doubleheaders yeah. upon doubleheaders. So at, at some point, and you're right, conceptually, I think they should. There was the idea early on in the season when this started to happen, right, that they would look at winning percentage. But it's going to be really close. You're absolutely right. Today, I will say this, Kev, they got a doubleheader. Yeah. Adam Wainwright against Brandon Woodruff in the first one. And they haven't, you know, filled out this pitching matchup for the second one. But remember I said this. They're going to have doubleheader upon doubleheader upon doubleheader with mm -hmm. their pitching rotation and bullpen. They're at a competitive disadvantage, in my opinion, to get there. Yeah. So I just want to make this point, though. Because actually what we just said, though, so if the Cardinals are too clear either direction, right, it of still doesn't mean in their they, division. Right. Yeah. It still doesn't mean anything, though, because those games could be against the Cubs, and it might matter to whether they're second or third. Right. It might be the, the Reds yeah. or the Brewers who are trying to who get, get in as a wild card. Yeah. And it could still matter to the Central, which uh, in the American League, which is incredibly tight, as they have three teams that are right now That's a good point. slotted to go to the postseason. So unless it is against the Tigers or Royals, which is possible, unless it is against the Tigers or Royals, I don't know how they could get away without playing those games. And again, yeah. I understand that it is not an easy thing to figure out. But if you're Major League Baseball, this is unprecedented times as it is. You're doing a bubble. Don't book the hotels just yet. You need to slap a couple of extra days on the end of this season and get all of these teams to 60. Because you know what, Dane? They're much closer to achieving that goal than any of us thought they were going to be a couple of months back. Get everyone to 60. 
It's in reach. You have to do it. I mean, it's in reach, Kev, but it would require the Cardinals to play 17 games in a much but you can't have stretch. You can't have 29 teams go off a 60-game record and then one go you. off of a winning percentage. And here's the thing, kind of, I got to be honest with you, Kev. Remember, the Cardinals right now are second place in the NL Central, right? And the way the playoff yeah. format goes, right, is... So all the first place teams get seeded one through three, seeds four through six will be the second place teams. And here's the thing, Kev. Go look at second place in the NL East. You got the Marlins and the <laughs> Phillies competing for that. Both of those teams may finish shy of 60 as well. Both of those teams have, you know, not to the extent of the Cardinals, but remember, the Marlins were on pause for a while. The Phillies were on pause for a while. So both of those teams also competing for the line of the second place teams and the wild card teams are also going to have to stack double headers to get to 60. This is going to pile up. And the problem, in my opinion, is it's one thing if these were meaningless games, right? But they're going to be so meaningful because everything is so tight with the expanded playoff field. Yeah, I'm taking a look. I'm trying to get a feel for it. I actually yeah. think it might be Detroit. I think that it might be the games Detroit. Against? Those two okay. games that are not scheduled out. Because they've only played Detroit twice on the year. Okay. And but that's fair. Every- so maybe it's not the double whammy, right? Of like their opponent also needs it yeah. for their but it still holds true, right? And it's the same thing in Philly, it's the same thing in Miami, not to the same extent, but it is something we are going to have to Definitely. keep an eye on. Kev, I do mm-hmm. want to mention another thing to keep an eye on are the returning bats to the Yankees lineup. Um, Gio Urshela, Mike Stanton, Aaron Judge, all expected to come on back. And what do you know, Kev? The Yankees put up 20 runs last night against, I believe, against the Blue Jays. Luke Voigt with his league-leading 17th home run of the season, the leader in the clubhouse. Maybe he can get to 20. Are the Yankees uh, figuring it out, Kev? Yeah, tied right now for the current longest winning streak in baseball at six alongside of the Chicago White Sox. Luke Voigt, sneaky MVP candidate, especially, you know, <laughs> I think if you're willing to go along with like more narratives than say war, because you could certainly argue that he kept this Yankees team above water while everybody else was out. It is hard not to have a little bit of a. I told you so. Not you, but to those that wanted the sky to fall on the Yankees, that for the first time they resemble anything near full health, they put up 20 runs. Yep, absolutely. And they did with the win last night, leapfrog the Toronto Blue Jays, right? And we've been talking about this. The second place teams are on their own line. That, if it were the case, would leave the Yankees as the four, five, or six seed. Ironically, you mentioned that what we could see is a four, five matchup with those good old Minnesota Twins. And it seems like the Twins always draw the damn Yankees. Let's talk about one other series out West that is absolutely Absolutely huge in the NL West. We talked about Dodgers and Fathers getting locked up so far in this week. Well, it was the Dodgers that got a win. Tony Gosselin pitched real well in this one. The Dodgers get a 3-1 win. The Padres, though, are still pretty much, even if the Dodgers win this division, the Padres, I believe, 
are fairly locked into the four seed in the National League as the best second-place team. If you look at the Padres, even with that loss, they are still, you know, 14 games over 500, Kev. And the second-place team in the Central, the second-place team in the East will not sniff that level of success. So the Padres maybe won't win the division, but pretty much will be locked into that four seed looking for another second-place team. It looks like it'll be these Padres who face off with, like, you know, Cardinals, Marlins, Phillies. And what's really interesting is, due to the Padres' record right now, second best in this league, yeah. they will be considerable favorites over whomever they would play in that first-round matchup. And the Dodgers then are rewarded by playing the team with the second-best record in round two, completely mm. neutral setting. I just think that's something to keep in mind here as you kind of start to get a sense for, you know, what these playoffs might look like. It would kind of take a lot. And honestly, I don't, it might already be locked unless the Padres were to jump the Dodgers that the Padres will be on the 4-5 line. Well, remember, the St. Louis Cardinals have a lot of games to make up. Yeah, 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 so, yeah, I yeah. mean, you know, the Padres have 18 wins. The Cardinals have, I mean, 18 losses. The Cardinals have 22 losses, right? So, I mean, it's possible if they all get to 60. But we'll find yeah. out over the next week and a half. We got Cam Stewart joining us to talk a little bit of U.S. Open golf when we come back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, welcome back in, everybody. Right here to the early line. I am Dane Martinez. I got my main man, Kevin Walsh, as always. Also want to welcome back in our radio audience from around the country. Thanks for waking up early with us, especially out there, the mightier 1090 on the West Coast, really early. And, of course, please stay safe out there with the wildfires raging across the West Coast of this country. We bring in our own raging redhead right now. It is Cam Stewart, and we're going to bring him in. You know he's our golf guy and we've got a major to discuss this week so we bring in our guy cam stewart now and cam i gotta ask you you know everybody's excited for the first i want to call it the first major of the year but it's actually i guess the third major of last year i don't know how we're calling it but here's what i want to ask you first okay everything i've heard like who's gonna win this week who's gonna win this week and the most frequent answer i hear on who's going to win this week is Wingfoot itself, this course. And people are expecting maybe the winning score to be above par. Do you agree with that? And why might that be the case? Yeah, this course, guys, it's going to kill people. It is one of the toughest courses in New York, guys, in your backyard. Uh, This course, the rough, they had basically a tall boy can of like the Arnold Palmer drink and they put in the rough. The, The grass was over... The tall boy. You could use a beer can, a magnum, whatever you want to do, a wine bottle. There's certain places there where, like, if you go in the rough, you're probably going to get, you know, maybe move it a couple feet. You want to talk about bunkers? Deepest in the business. You want to talk about length? One of the longest courses in the business. Only three of the par fours are under 450 yards. So if you're not hitting a fairway on those, you're toast. 
So let's talk about this. What does that do? It limits guys who can win this tournament. You have to hit it big. You have to hit it straight. And you need to be a good putter. Oh, yeah, I forgot to mention undulations on the greens. Jack Nicholas with the famous four putt here. It was called, uh, what was it, the massacre at Wingfoot when Hale Irwin won with a score of seven over. Are you kidding wow. me? These guys mm. were crying when they left the course. It wasn't a golf tournament. It was a boxing fight, and they got pummeled. The course <laughs> is the undisputed, undefeated champion. I don't think it's going to play as hard as those years, guys, but I wouldn't be surprised if the winning score was around even, plus one. Like it, That's the thing about the U.S. Wow. Open in comparison to any other major. This is what you got to remember. Guys who can grind. Not guys birdie, birdie, birdie. That's not out there. Can you save pars? Can you hit that eight-foot putt? Can you stay mentally strong after doing it time after time after time? It takes a certain type of person to win at the U.S. Open. And I got a few guys, but I'll tell you, like, literally, if you ask me, hey, Cam, how many guys can win this tournament? I'd say in a crap tournament, like 80 guys out of whatever, you know, like most of the guys in the field could win yeah. if they have a good weekend. A, a tougher tournament, not a major, you know, 30, 40 guys. I literally think under 10 people probably could win this golf tournament. Wow, that, that is saying something. I want to ask you about one guy specifically because what you're describing makes me think about Bryson DeChambeau because we know he can hit it a country mile, but I think back to some of those collapses, the eight-over yeah. hole that he had yep. uh, during a couple tournaments back. So what do you think about DeChambeau specifically coming into this U.S. Open? Wow, Kev, uh, it's, a, it's a good question because that's the one guy that people are talking about, and there's a lot of mixed bag on DeChambeau. Some people think he's going to miss the cut. Other guys think he can contend. I'll tell you one thing. He can't be screwing around, and you need a proper attitude. If you take a double bogey, you got to suck it up. You can't turn it into a quad. That's the yeah. thing. This guy can run hot. Uh, his driver can be all over the place. The length will help. But, guys, length's great, but you got to hit the fairway. Yeah, sure. Say he hits it 360 yards into the hospitality tent, you know, cracks some lady's <laughs> glass of wine or, you know what I mean? He's he's under a shed or a cart. Who knows what's going to happen? That's the thing about this course. Like, it is long. So if you're not straight, too, you have a real problem. I'm not going to say a small ball hitter can't win here, but over four rounds of golf, you know what I mean? Even for the most uh, yeah. athletic talented guys in the world. Like, I play this course, I'd probably be in a hospital. And I used to be a good golfer, too. I used to work on <laughs> a golf course. You know what I mean? I'll shoot about 140 and then, like, tap out. Okay, I'm done, guys. Like, the party's yeah. over. Like, that's the, it's it's a course that's going to really hurt these guys at the end of rounds, too. And think about it. If you're in the rough all the time, maybe you might save a couple strokes. Think about your wrists, your body, all the things that you have to oh, do. Yeah. Fairways, fairways. you got to be in the short grass here. Or over time, it's gonna pay. you're going to pay the price. Big, big time. Yeah, I mean, Cam, slamming a metal stick into the ground at 100 miles an hour trying to get it through does not do good <laughs> things for the wrist, for the back. Trust no. me, I can understand that. <laughs> Let me ask you this. I heard a lot of people, Cam, on the microphone yesterday. You know, they're doing practice rounds and stuff, interviewing a lot of guys. And a big question was the idea of doing this major tournament without fans, Cam. You know, when we were in Harding Park out there on the West Coast, a lot of people were saying it didn't feel the same. And then a lot of golfers I heard, I heard Justin Thomas on the microphone, okay, say specifically mm -hmm. here in New York, those fans would get loud and get rowdy. The energy would be different. He 
also talked about it because I think you see in round one, Justin Thomas is paired with his friend Tiger Woods. And he talked yeah. about playing in a group with Tiger without fans and how different that would be as the mob scene travels around, you know, and how he may be able to relax himself a little bit better because of all the ancillary stuff going around Tiger in a group, whether it's that or otherwise. What do you think the impact is of no fans out there in New York and Wingfoot this week? I think it helps guys that aren't popular, and I think it hinders Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods feeds off the crowd. If he gets a couple birdies in a row, it's like his adrenaline. I just had a Red Bull. Let's rock. I'm ready to go again. I feed you. Oh, come on, fans. Give it to me. Let's go. I'm coming back. I'm ready to go. No fans. Like, you just sit there going, you got to create your own energy. And that's the thing. When Colin Morikawa won at Harding Park, I'm not saying he's not a popular guy, but he's cool. He's just a kid. Him and him and his girlfriend, you know, they're working out their stuff. Yeah. It's just he he just went about his business. Playing around and the he golf. Just, and he, yeah, yeah. He played around a golf. I don't have to be impressed. You know, none of this. I'm waiting for the fans. Hey, I hit a birdie. Guy looking around. Oh, oh, sorry, no fans. Okay. You know what? Some of these guys. Hey, I hate to tell you, golfers. All these other sports are doing it. You got to figure it out. You got to make your own energy. You got to. You know what I mean? You have to be mentally strong, and you got to plow through that type of stuff. Tiger Woods, it's going to be very hard for him. Dustin Thomas, another popular player. But you know who? DJ, he couldn't care less. DJ's basically right. going out to play a round of golf in, in, in a Serta. You know what I mean? He could be <laughs> sleeping. Yeah, what, what, oh, wait, par five's coming up. Okay. He doesn't care, even though he's a popular player, and that's what works for him. Know what they say in golf, guys? Short memory. Don't worry about it. That's the thing. You can't be one of those guys that has bad lingering thoughts. you got to shake it off. And DJ has been a master of doing that this year. And another guy that people, you know, are talking about, and one of my, probably my top pick is John Rahm. And I had my buddy going, why are you taking Rahm? Because, you know, he's a powder keg. I go, well, you obviously haven't watched all the tournaments. He's calmed down a lot. And I don't mind competitive spirit, Dane. Like, right, Kev, when I'm yeah. out there, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I, I'm going to get fired up. If I miss a short putt, I'm going, yeah, like, you just can't let it linger. You can't let it linger for two, three, four holes. You got to shake it off. I don't mind. Actually, I like a guy with a little bit of passion, right? He wants it. And you saw him and Dustin Johnson were great battles this year. So he's a guy yeah. that can figure it out. He's, he's going to figure it out. Guys. And I'll tell you, he has the game. You have to check off all the boxes when you're talking about right. this golf tournament. Straight hitter. Check. Great short game. Check. Strong. Check. You know what I mean? Like everything you got to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. Like there's there, there, there's a limit. Yeah. And John and John Rahm and well. Dustin Johnson. I, I, I got to give FanDuel in the books credit. They got the two right guys as, as favorites. Sometimes you're like, why is this guy up there or whatever? But hmm. those are the two guys that should be the favorites in this golf tournament. And I can't take both guys. I'm going to have to find ways to do, you know, creative things, matchup bets. But for me, Rom's my guy. I took him before in a big, big tournament. He he knocked down that big putt after DJ hit like a 45-footer. He hit a 60-foot double-breaking snake right in the hole. And John Rom's just a guy. I think he also understands, like, you know what? All these other guys got a lot of things going on. DJ's having a good year. Don't forget about me. I'm still one of the best. Ken, I want to ask you about Dustin Johnson specifically because, yeah. you know, we're now running here a couple weeks in a row as we're talking golf, and the gap between DJ and everybody that's not named John Rahm seems significant. And even the gap between him and Rahm right now, though, is still there yep. at plus 850 compared to Rahm at 10 to 1. And you talk about the mental makeup, but, you know, Ken, we've been doing this for months now, and there were a lot of days where we would be like, listen, I'm going to fade Dustin Johnson. And the sentiment was, yeah, 
Why not? This guy can't figure it out. What did he do to get to this point? Because he was missing, you know, it felt like multiple cuts was plus tens tapping out. And now here he is, and he has created a considerable gap between him and everybody that's not named John Rahm. It's absolutely true. And the thing was, he couldn't get a, uh, he couldn't get away from his own shadow. Remember that? The 78. Justin Thomas went up to him and said, hey, dude, what is wrong with you? Like, I've never seen, like, hmm. you're playing like a guy on the Horn Ferry Tour. Like, get it together. Like, you're a PGA, one of the best in the world. He couldn't. His wedge game was awful. His putting. But that's the thing about Dustin Johnson. He has so much natural ability, something clicked. I don't know if it happened yeah. on the range, whatever. He found right. something in his stance. I notice his putting's a lot better, too. He steps up and hits it quicker. He used to take too much time over the ball. That's a big thing. And we could thank your good buddy, Brooks Kepka. I was going to say, I think it's when hey, Brooks hey, I got an idea. Yeah. I'm on, I'm on top of the leaderboard. I'm not, I'm not really yeah. scared about any of these other guys here. Dustin Johnson didn't even care. He's like, okay, you know, and this is his weightlifting partner. These guys are friends. They're friends, right? They're yeah, they're workout buddies. I think, yeah. yeah, I think they're ladies like hang out and have drinks. I will say this about Brooks Kepka. He didn't mean it like that, but still, it came across. He came across like yeah. a stooge, basically underestimating all the things Dustin Johnson did. No, Dustin Johnson did. Instead of grabbing him and going, dude, I thought we were friends, he said, okay, yeah, now, now, now it's on. That's the thing. You give right. this guy any type of motivation, for me, bro. You're, you're dead. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Brooks. How, how's your leg and knee doing right now? I'm exactly. doing quite well. So I just won fifty. <laughs> I just won fifteen million dollars. I'm sleeping it. with Paulina Gretzky. Right. Me and the, me and the rain are, are sucking back scotch with hey, cigars. Cam, how you doing? We got to go back to a doing? break, Kim. We're gonna take a <laughs> oh, break yeah. here. We'll come back. We'll talk more about this golf tournament. I got a couple of other guys <laughs> to ask you about, and we'll look at the Stanley Cup playoffs as well. Cam continues to hang on with us here on the early line. Come on back after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, welcome back in, everybody. Right here onto the early line. I got my main man, Kevin Walsh. We've got the raging redhead, Cam Stewart. Oh, and Cam, you talk with Kevin a lot on In Game Live. I want you to know that I am officially nicknaming him the candle burner because he burns the candle at both ends at 8 a.m. at 8 p.m. It don't matter for Kevin Walsh. He smirks every time. I don't know how he feels about it. But <laughs> you I should, You should have seen him yesterday, Dane. He, he gets <laughs> out of up? his love seat there. He's, like, fixing his hair. I'm like, easy, Rockman, Dan. <laughs> What are you going to do? That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I like that RVD, the five-star frog splash going down oh, on. Yeah, the Rob get... Van Dam lid going. That's anyway, it. it was awesome. Let's get back into this golf tournament, though, Ken, because yep. one guy that I have an eye on that I want you to tell me if I'm crazy, I think he checks these boxes that you're talking about. And I have seen him on the leaderboard in majors before. He's one of these young guys. Talk to me about Xander Shoffley, Cam. That's a guy I am intrigued by. He's at 14 to 1. I saw him on the range a lot. He seems to have the ingredients. And I always see him on the damn leaderboard in high-profile tournaments. Here's the thing. If you're betting Fuck Xander me. Shoffley, automatically – Take him top 10, top 20, whatever you can find. He might not win this golf tournament, but I don't but be remember there. a time in a golf tournament where he's not outside the top 10. The guy be is the ATM machine. He shows up all the time. Actually, a couple guys in the golf world that I really respect think Shoffley could break through. He can. 
He has the game. He is one of the guys I said, under 10 guys, he's one of them. The problem is he just always seems to not get there. One so little Ken, bad round with a 70 40, You know what I mean? It's weird. Yeah, so let me ask you, because I want to bet softly, okay? Tell me, and you're telling me that I'm not crazy to do so. So tell me, how do I do it? Do I split up my unit, right, and, and go half on them to win, half top 10? Do I play with top five? Where are the thresholds? If you were to bet softly, because I think I want to, how do I do it? What's the best way to do it? Well, top five is a little – it's good, good, good number at plus 340, but it's so many guys in a golf tournament, and you have Thomas, Rom. Rory, all these other guys I there, think right? I want so, to split to win and top 10. I want to split a unit to I agree. win and top 10. I, I agree because at top 10, you still get plus 175. I like that. Hmm. Let's, take a look at, let's take a look at his top 20. If it's anything like not juicy, I'd put that in too. Like It's right, good to have a, a little there. bit of, uh, yeah, what is he? Minus 125. It's like a regular baseball bet. The Yankees mm. playing, uh, you know, the Rays, minus 125. Right. He, he, top mm -hmm. 20, he will be there. He will be there. This guy is so good. It's unbelievable. He just seems to, like, down the stretch in a tournament, have one bad swing, one bad bogey, and then he looks up at the leaderboard and goes, man, I lost by a shot or two. I could have won this right. tournament. It's crazy. Like, Xander Shoffley is one of the best golfers in the world, and the books understand that. Like, they're not giving you 22 to 1. They're giving you 14 because they understand this guy can win at any time. I love him in the top 10s and 20s. Dane, a little sprinkle on the win. You got to do that because Sands right. is weak, and you don't have anything at 14 sure. to 1. You got to sprinkle. So I'll split it up. I'll get them to win, but then I'll also do one of these top 10s to kind of be more conservative. If I hit that, I make yeah. my money back. I'm good to go. Thank you. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's all settled then. I, I want to ask you, Cam, now, unfortunately, I don't have the chance to talk to you about Brooks Kepka. He's not here in the mix. But there's I, another big I'm name. I'm so glad, that, Jeff. I know. <laughs> I was waiting for the Brooks Kepka question. I know. Yeah, I was, I was thinking about forcing it, even though he wasn't in the mix, but I won't. I do want to ask you about Rory, though. Because, again, when oh. we kind of started all this golf talk, he was the world's number one. And now yep. he, he's not even in the top five to win this. So I guess he is tied with, with Morikawa at that fifth spot. What yep. is going on with Rory right now? Because he kind of feels a little bit forgotten in this mix. Here's the thing, Kev. And you, you guys, you bring me on the show, I'm going to give you something. I know one thing for sure. He might not win, but there's been a track record. Rory just had his wife at, I was going to say, he's not pregnant, like J.R., you know, having giving birth to an Oklahoma Sooners helmet on wrestling. No, his wife had a child, <laughs> and I could tell you, and I could tell you this: every guy, it's one of those things on the PGA Tour. All these guys that their ladies have kids, they have this epiphany where they start to really like get calm and play well. I'm not going to say I'm going to bet Rory. His form is not, you know, the best. He's still an amazing player. He's still a top five, ten talent in the world, but. Baby dad now, I'm telling you, it's one of those weird things. Every single guy in the PGA Tour that's had a child has done really good things afterwards, like won a golf tournament and stuff. It's something to think about. I think Rory, I think Rory could be there, but he's just too inconsistent. I can't, I can't take him. There's other guys that I like more. All right, fair enough, Cam. Now, listen, when we bring you on here, right, we talk about who might win the tournament. 
You're very good on things like the top 10, top 5, top 20 to kind of mitigate some of that risk. The other way we like to play it, Cam, is in these head-to-head matchup bets, right? And this is so yeah. interesting in the golf world that they have that. All you got to find is one guy who's a fade for you and one guy you like. See if they're matched up and boom, you have a bet. Are there any that fit into that category that happen to be somebody you like versus somebody you don't? Any of the matchups you're playing here this weekend? It's very interesting. Like, they're tough. Like, I kind of like Tony Finau to do better, but he's up against Patrick Reed, a guy that I really like. Uh, you know, Jason Day, Adam Scott. Like, it's just weird. FanDuel did a great job. I will say this. I would lean Webb Simpson at minus 142 over Patrick Cantlay. Cantlay is a good golfer, but there's just something missing this year. He just He's hmm. not in full gear. Webb Simpson has won a U.S. Open before, and he's that not a bomber, but he's a slow, methodical plotter who loves par golf. He'll take advantage of the par fives. He's just a smart player. I like him over Patrick Cantlay. It's a shame. Like, remember we talked about Shoffley? He's against Morikawa. Love them both there too, right? So these matchups are very, very tough. But I do like Tyrell Hatton over Tiger Woods. It's a little bit juicy at minus 150. If we're going to look for a dog, if there's any type of dog I can look for right now, I would probably take Matthew Wolf at plus 104 against Victor Hovland, but that's a tough match. Both guys from the University of Oklahoma State, Joe Ranieri style, playing against each other. They're friends, hmm. and Hovland's uh, minus 122. Matthew Wolf is uh, oh, 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 plus 104. The Wolfman, he's actually a good dark horse this week. Uh, I like it. All right, Cam. So then, uh, talk to me for the outright bets, though. Four-pack, six-pack, what do we got? Well, guys, uh, hey, we've been on this show before, and John Rom seemed to be working for me. No ramen noodles mm. when Rom's playing. We up, we upgrade the T-Bones. He's 10 to 1. Mm. Colin Morikawa, why not? I'm going to tell you something. He doesn't have the length of some of these guys, but what does he do better? Tees, fairways, greens, Puts baby. And his putting. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. He's in the fairway. His ball striking is the best on tour. His putting has improved. He will be there. I love Morikawa at 18. Patrick Reed, I think, is being underlooked at 34 to 1. And oh, I gave you the Wolfman at 65. Guys, I got one big bomb to play at the top 20. I think he's plus 525. No, plus 500. It went down. Rasmus Hogard. This is the thing. I watch a lot of golf. Sure. European tour. <laughs> one of the best players in the world. This tricky Dane, I don't know. I think he hasn't played wing foot before, but I watch him on the European tour win second, fifth. He's kind of like the Xander Shoffley of the European tour, and he's coming over here because of his golf ranking. It's strong. He is 130 to 1 on FanDuel. I'm going to probably put 10 bucks on him just, just for giggles, but I love him in the top 20 bets. And if you could find a matchup against some turkey, I would take Rasmus Hogard as my super pooch. Hey, I mean, Cam, you're talking about a tricky Dane. You know I've got to get down yes. on any tricky Dane in the field <laughs> out there, brother those, man. Those so I will be games. looking for that. You know about that. You know I'm going to be looking for that. Very interesting, and you know I'm going to try to find a way for Xander Shoffley. You, you talk about a guy like Colin Marikawa. Also, you know, to me, 
You know, this is going to be hit fairways and hit your eight-foot putts. And if you do that, you will stand a very good chance to at least be playing in one of the final groups on Sunday. But, Cam, we would be remiss if when we have you, we don't talk a little bit about where we are in the NHL with the Stanley Cup playoffs. There are now three yeah. teams still alive for Lord Stanley's Cup, and the Islanders are still one of them, Cam, because of their double overtime victory over the Tampa Bay Lightning yesterday. Talk to me, though, right now, as I see it, whether you think Tampa ultimately gets through to see Dallas, who do you like here in, you know, um, to, to hoist Lloyd Stanley's Cup? At this point, the Lightning are minus 130 favorites to win the title. I, li- I, li- I like the Lightning to beat the Islanders. I'm going to say this. If you're an Islander fan, this season has been amazing. They punch above their weight. They work so hard. Barry Trotz is the best coach in the league, in my opinion. They found a way to get it done. The problem is Tampa Bay has more talent. So I will say this series will end with Tampa Bay meeting Dallas in the Stanley Cup final. But I was wrong, guys. Like I had Tampa Bay last night. It's actually weird. I have a sports grid's record. Hey, he's just shaking me down. I've had some bad picks the last couple of nights. Me and Get- that's the problem with Morenzi. I got to bet on every game. So now I'm giving out 20 picks instead of five. It's not It's not working right. very well. So I should like yeah. kind of lower the portfolio. How about a Baker dozen, like 13 tops? That's like a crazy night. I'm giving like 20 a night. That's stupid. But I will say this. The Tampa Bay Lightning, they'll eventually win this series. Probably the next game. They want to screw around. Kudos to the Islanders for hanging in there. What a season. And if the Islanders beat these guys, I don't even know what to say. I can tell you one thing. The NHL would not be happy with a New York Islanders-Dallas Stanley Cup due to the styles that they play. They'd rather see Tampa Bay there. I would rather see the Islanders. I just don't think they're going to win. What do you make, though, Kim, of Dallas being able to get there uh, past Vegas? Vegas were pretty overwhelming favorites entering that series. They were. What do you think about this Stars team? Yeah, I was wrong. Uh, I thought I made a bet at plus 350 on FanDuel. These guys are going to win three straight games. They're up two to nothing. Dallas ties it up. We lose. This Vegas team, I don't know what happened to them. They just basically ran into hot goaltenders. Dallas is a scary hockey team. Hudobin, the goaltender, is now he now has confidence. They have the best blue line. They have Heiskin and Lindell, all sorts of wicked, wicked players on the blue line and deep. And the crazy thing is their forwards, who used to be ghosts, are now showing up every day. Jamie Benn, he was a guy, get a goal, have five games without, he's sleepwalking. Now, goal, goal, goal. Every time you can count on these guys. All their young stars are good. They play a tough style. And Rick Bonus, the coach, who is the interim coach, remember, guys love him. You know, he's doing the old fist pump, but he's really getting the most out of the players right now. I'll tell you something, Tampa Bay or the Islanders, they better watch out. The Dallas Stars, too, they have the most puck luck I've ever seen. That's the one thing about hockey people don't realize is a game of skill. But when you break down all the sports, it's the, also the luckiest sport. Like Vegas dominated every game they played, and they're not here. You run into a hot goalie, sorry, that's just the way it is. But Dallas, they seem to have real good puck luck. And right now, they're clicking on all cylinders. All their lines are hot. All right, well, we will keep that in mind. Cam, by the time we talk again next week, at least on here on the early line, we'll be at the Stanley Cup Finals, and we'll be very excited to get your insight on that. I know you'll be talking to Kevin on In-Game Live. You'll be talking to me on Sunday on Pro Football Today. You're all over the place. Tell our friend Gabe Morenci we say hello here, and thanks for spending a couple of minutes with us on a Wednesday. Thanks, guys. Talk to you later. <laughs> Let's roll, Kev. Hey, Kev, what do you think about this? Like, it sounds like 
it sounds like he thinks DJ and Rom are equipped with this big course to maybe stay away from the roughs, bang it, and have the mental discipline to get all the way home. Yeah, I just think it's so interesting because Dustin Johnson was a guy that we were targeting to fade yeah. not all that long ago. And now he sits there at a plus 850, and it's completely justified. I will also say, Cam has been on John Rahm, and yes. it feels like it has almost always come home. So I don't think that I will listen to Cam say he likes John Rahm and get any type of cute entering this tournament and be like, ah, yeah, what does he know? No, he knows a lot, and he's real good at this. And when he likes Rom, it's usually a winner. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, welcome back in here to the early line, Dane and Kevin. And, you know, Kev, we're going to be talking football a lot the rest of the week, but we are the early line, right? And so there are some times, Kev, where it is beneficial to get it early. For example, the Jets are now laying seven. You could have got them. It would have been six and a half yesterday. You know what I mean? So I personally am looking at some places that are close Two key numbers, and if I think that it's going to continue to move, I might as well get it now. For example, Kev, the Green Bay Packers in their home opener are right now laying six and a half. I'm worried it might get seven, you know, and so I would want to get it now before we get to those kind of key numbers. Are there any games on the board that it may behoove people to look at now because of other movement that might be happening? I know you saw in Philly it's happening. I mean, the Eagles move right now is jaw-dropping. The Eagles are three-and-a-half-point favorites over the L.A. Rams when that line opened. And we not only lost the key number, they are now dogs in this game at the FanDuel Sportsbook. A five-point move as the Rams in Philly are now laying a a point-and-a-half. The Rams win on Sunday night football. The Eagles lose to the Washington football team. Is an odd straight pick them on the money line, so the point and a half being there is is a little weird. Mm. Honestly, if you kind of want to beat a number, that might be a decent way to do it because something is off there. It's up to you to decide necessarily what. But I'll tell you right now, and you know this, I've liked this Rams team more than most. If Lane Johnson is playing... This line will not get back to where it was, and the Eagles will be of value. You want to talk over reactions, you talk about this Eagles-Rams line. All right, fair enough. I will say, I saw you mentioned Layden Johnson, and I do think that is a key because that Eagles offensive line did not look equipped to be able to handle Aaron Donald coming in in week two. So I'm glad that you mentioned the Lane Johnson piece. You know, I got Tampa Bay minus nine and a half as well in their home opener. I'm worried about places that then get that move to the key number. So watch the juice on it. 
as well. Because right now, Tampa Bay is minus 9.5, but it's minus 105. Meanwhile, the Panthers are still minus 115. So that is not in danger of moving just yet. The juice is always a clue, but there's some spots that you want to get it early. We'll continue to talk about these games. We'll preview Thursday night football tomorrow. We'll see if the Cardinals have played another seven games somehow. And we've got our guy, Jay, the Sports Keg CEO, coming in to talk about the Octagon, which makes its return this weekend as well. All that and more. Keep it locked. The morning after is up next right here on Sports. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.